Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs. Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. One is officially in the books as the Miami Dolphins fell to the New England Patriots 21-11 to on Sunday. We will get into the good, the bad, and the ugly from the divisional matchup in a little. But first, let me welcome you to another episode of Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show. I'm Josh Houts. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. And I am joined by Robin to my Batman, the Tua to my Fitzpatrick. The Preston Williams to my Devontae Parker. The one, the only, Jake Mendall. Follow him on Twitter since he doesn't even know his own at. At J-Mendall, J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. How you doing today, Jake? You know, I'm honored. That was still such a great intro. I will happily be the Robin, the Tua, whatever you would like me to be. It's great to be here. Um, you know, it's interesting because every Sunday morning, you know, you wake up and Sunday is kind of the quote-unquote lazy day. But of course, yesterday, the start of football season, I had some errands to run around. So that was interesting. But, but you know, once I got to sit down and, and watch some football, it was exciting. I had a lot of fun. I mean, you could tell there was a bunch of uh, fan noise pumped in. But, I mean, it didn't change the day too, too much for me overall. I think I would have probably been the same, acted the same exact way if there was, uh, if everything was right with the world. So I think that's kind of first and foremost what we're excited to see. Yeah, before we get any going any further, we just got to remind you guys, if you're listening to this podcast, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever it is, please subscribe. Please make sure you follow us. If you have any questions, reach out to us on Twitter. But most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us those five-star ratings because without you, there is no us. But, uh, I mean, to get into the football game and just the whole atmosphere, I mean, we were at home, so we weren't like the players. You know, we didn't have mm-hmm. to feed off that crowd noise. So it didn't really change too much because, I mean, to be honest, it looked and felt to us like a normal football game. We'll get into the result of this football game, but it was kind of what we expected. But 
at the end of the day, you know, for as stressful as the Dolphins were there for, you know, for three hours, for as stressful as your fantasy teams may have been, it was just nice to finally have football back in your life and, you know, to kind of get away from everything else that was going on in the world. It was nice to once again have Dolphins football on a Sunday. And, like, I don't want to get too preachy about this, but, I mean, I'm even working on a story here for uh, one of my, uh, my, the publication I work for in New England newspapers. I'm kind of writing together, uh, putting together a magazine story about the success, of, the success of fall sports here in Berkshire County, excuse me, summer sports here in Berkshire County. Just with everything going on, I mean, the one thing that I've heard time and time again, I mean, having headaches over sports is, like, a preferred headache. I mean, if you're going to get, if you're going to have stress in life, if you're going to have headaches in life, I'd rather be talking about sports i'd rather have it be talking about the miami dolphins so that's good to see and and josh i think you know the you know we do previews of the games and everything and i don't want to talk to you too much about buffalo but i sure that'll be brought up once or twice the show but um i think we were doomed the moment cam newton showed up looking like he was uh you know in the in the movie the mask or something like that with just the straight up yellow outfit i mean we should have known we were in trouble right then and there because i can't see him doing a a, a losing press conference wearing that I'm I'm 100% with you, and there, you know there was two sides of the whole Cam Newton thing. Those that thought he was done, he was never gonna, you know, regain that MVP type form that we saw, you know, how many years ago. Cam Newton might not have been quite like an MVP, but as soon as he showed up looking like the mask, like you said, you knew we were doomed from the start. And I mean, it was just a little bit baffling. And I talked about it during the game, I, I threw it out there on Twitter, but. For us, I mean, we know what Cam Newton is as a player, and for as good as he is as a passer, he's even better as a runner. You know, he kind of. Uh, transformed the way we view quarterbacks in the NFL, the way, you know, they bring in these guys that have those dual threats and can do a little bit of everything. Cam Newton was kind of at the forefront of that whole thing. The guy's a playmaker, and it showed up on paper. The Dolphins just had no answer, and, you know, this was the result that you're going to expect when you can't stop the run game, and the Dolphins gave up 217 yards on the ground. It was a dismal performance, and it makes you wonder uh, if, they, if it would have been any different if Rayquan McMillan was still in town. You know, that that's kind of the, the highlight of the game or, or the main talking point is that run defense. And, you know, to that and to the Patriots credit, I mean, we kind of had an idea what they would do. Their receiving core is rough. It's not, you know, a good group. And I think the thing that was most stressful about playing New England is that how they ran the ball. Right. I mean, the, the longest run was 23 yards. And yes, that's a long run. But when, you know, you look at these averages here, J.J. Uh, uh, Taylor, seven yards. Rex Burke had 4.6. Sony Michelle, 3.7. And then Cam Newton, the five yards per carry, 15 carries, uh, 75 yards overall. You know, they weren't getting gashed. It was literally the Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, these guys who are we know are incredible coaches. And, and you know, I hate to kind of, you know, suck up to them on a Miami Dolphins pro podcast because there's nothing I'd like to do more than, you know, kick the kick the mother down. But, you know, the Dolphins, I think, kind of had an idea what the uh, Patriots were going to do. But this is what the Patriots have been planning for this whole year is this type of offense being the safest possible offense ever. You look at Ryan Fitzpatrick, he had three interceptions, finished with a QBR of, you know, 72.7. Cam Newton was 15 for 19. His QBR was was only a few points higher at 79. What the Patriots did is really just kind of make you want to pull your hair out because it'd go 
first and 10. It goes second and six. It goes third and three, and they're not getting stopped in that third and three. Third and three over and over is just so hard. Um, you know, early in the game, the New England Patriots didn't score in that fourth, first quarter. We had Jerome Baker get a sack. We had people make that, you know, one play early in a drive. But there weren't a lot of penalties in this game. They, The New England Patriots wanted to get out of this game as fast as possible. They wanted to give the Dolphins no opportunity, and we can look at that run defense, and we're going to, you know, continue to talk about it. But, I mean, it's just so hard when, you know, you can't get that one stop. It's frustrating as all hell because it's this is what a coaching staff can do. They can, you know, set it up where it doesn't matter what kind of talent we have. It's third and three, and we're going to get it. And to kind of flip that on the other side, that kind of shows where the Dolphins are. That first drive of the game, I think it started with Jordan Howard's longest rush of the game. It went for four yards. You're feeling good. And, you know, we talked in that preview. I mean, I've been preaching about it, and we'll talk about it more in a little while, but they're going to get Jordan Howard involved. You know, they, they got to a second and seven, and one of the things I, you know, really thought the Dolphins did well is get three to four yards on that second and seven all throughout the day and then get into a third and three, and that's where they struggled. You know, they punted on their first drive on a fourth and one. And that's the difference between the Patriots and the Dolphins. It's just that little, little bit, which if the Dolphins get that first down, if the Dolphins get that stop on a third down, that's the difference between uh, an 11 and five team and a seven and nine team. That is like, that is it. I mean, you can get a be way more specific. Yes. If we had Raekwon McMillan, but it's, there's that little bit of a difference. I mean, we didn't, the Dolphins didn't get blown out. New England was in control of this entire game. That's for sure. That's how the game planned it. That's how they scripted it. But I think that's the most frustrating thing. And, you know, I'm not ripping my hair out over, over here or anything. But just those little, like, third and three, where's our go-to play? Uh, fourth and one, where's our go-to play? And I think a lot of that had to do, I mean, Jordan Howard, it seemed like was a, a weekend at Bernie's type thing. It seemed like, you know, you said it, Kalen Balazs with a visor on. After that first run, he did not look like himself. It looked like there was no vision. It looked like the first guy would always tackle him. And then you have Devontae Parker go down, and, you know, he started the day with four receptions, 47 yards, and he was going early. He was active early, he, but then he only played 37% of the snaps. Then there goes your entire game plan after catching all four of his targets that came his way. That just kind of goes to show, like, what the game plan the Dolphins wanted to do. They wanted to run Howard. The offensive line looked pretty good, but there was just no fallback plan. And with the way the Patriots are set up, I mean, it's just so... you clean up those four yard per carry call it a day and that's that's kind of it I know that was kind of a long-winded answer for what you're looking for but that's just kind of my opening thoughts on how we have to really look at this game yeah now I gotta sit here and try to touch on every aspect of the game right behind that I mean just, just go we'll, here we'll, just to kind of make it we didn't do a rundown for this we thought something like this it's easier to just kind of talk it all out you know again this isn't some sort of sad depressing thing but I think in a situation like this when you we have all this information in front of us what happened what didn't happen it only being week one just just pick a point. Let's talk about it for a little bit, and, and we'll go from there. We'll let it just flow. Okay, yeah, and I think the first thing we really got to talk about and just kind of clarify is, again, this was, you know, an unprecedented season. You know, we know everything leading up to this. This was essentially a preseason game. So these guys were getting out there. You know, we saw the snap counts. We saw, you know, Miles Gaskins leading that running back group. There's different things that we can take away from week one, but at the end of the day, this was their first chance at getting out there, seeing all mm -hmm. these new rookies, all these veterans come together, and seeing what happens out there. So I expect, you know, week two to look a lot different. But we sit here and we talk about how explosive Cam looked on the ground and just how good they were running the football. The Dolphins need to figure something out quick because they're getting ready to play Josh Allen, and we know what he just did. So, you know, it's not going to get easier, and we've seen these mobile quarterbacks gash the Dolphins before. I don't think Ray Kwan McMillan would have helped that. And we can sit here and we can talk about how the officiating could have 
changed the aspect of this game because let's be honest. I mean, I sat there and I was capturing these videos yesterday and I kind of felt like I was whining a little bit. The Dolphins weren't beating the Patriots. You know, the, the Patriots came out there. Cam Newton was ready to play. They came out there and they smashed the Dolphins in the mouth. A couple of plays could have went, you know, differently here and there that could have changed the aspect of that. But I think the outcome at the end of the day still would have been the Patriots winning. And, and, and that's fine. But uh, the officiating was just, you know, it was bad. There was that defensive pass interference in the end zone they, that didn't get called on Jasicki there at the end of the game. There was one earlier, I believe, again on Jasicki. So it, it it's frustrating because you as a fan, you know, you know when you play the Patriots, you know, for as long as Tom Brady's been up there, you know, the officiating always seems to go their way. Tom Brady's gone. He wasn't getting those calls in Tampa Bay, but Cam Newton was definitely getting some of those calls that he wasn't getting in Carolina. So I think the run game needs to improve. I think for as bad as the run defense, you know, they get 217 yards on the ground, but I, I tweeted out, as of today, you know, right now there's still four teams that have yet to play. The Dolphins' pass defense is number one in the league, and yes, they weren't. They weren't. You know, they, they didn't <laughs> throw the football. Yes! You know, they didn't throw the football against them a lot. But you look at what Brandon Jones did. You saw what he did in the nickel spot, and you you love the production that you're getting out of this rookie. You know, in his in his first appearance, then then you got Byron Jones. You got Xavier Howard. He was on a snap count. So. Things are going to come together, and I think the Dolphins' defense will definitely get better. You need to hope the offense does, because I took pictures of my daughters. They, you know, they were decked out in their Dolphins gear. They were both sleeping. You know, that's what that Changeli offense did yesterday. It put you to sleep. You wonder if there was a snap counter, you know, something that was going on at the beginning of the game, why Jordan Howard was in there, why they didn't give Miles Gaskins those carries, you know, Patrick Laird. Dude, there's so much to unfold, and, I mean, I feel like we're just spitballing here, but you got to love what the offensive line did. I mean, there's some good, there's some bad, and there's some ugly, and, you know, this was to be expected. It's week one, calm down, and just let things play out because, you know, the the some of the things going into this year that we were concerned about, you know, the offensive line, some other things, you know, may, maybe the secondary coming together, you know, those things are starting to look decent. So just, just give it some time. Let's see the way this all unfolds and not put too much stock into week one as crazy and as hard as that might be. I don't, I, I don't want to get into a position where I can, you know, be be quoted on this or, or anything like this. But, but I really don't want to judge these Patriots until there's like three weeks of film because, I mean, you can Ezekiel Elliott, good running back. We know they're like we know good running backs exist, and just because you know they're good and you scheme to stop them doesn't mean you're going to stop them. I mean, the Patriots had this whole, you know, preseason, quote unquote, to game plan exactly this: Cam Newton running the ball as much as he did, and it's not, you know. Everybody knows when someone's a good running back. I mean, and that's there's no surprises there. And they're so good is because everybody knows they're good and you still can't stop them. And what happened against the the Dolphins today is something I'd like to see again after a couple weeks are, you know, of film are out there and maybe, you know, this offense is one that can be stopped. I don't know if this is something sustainable for the Patriots whatsoever. And it seemed like the Dolphins defense they did enough to kind of keep the team in the game. I, you know, kind of tweeted this out. You can't score three points in a uh, half and expect to win the game. The Pats had the ball for 10 more minutes than the Dolphins, which I thought it was even going to be even longer than that. But, I mean, I, I'm not frustrated with the rush defense. It was frustrating to watch, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, there are so many unknowns. There were so many different directions. This coaching staff, I mean, they brought uh, – Josh McDaniels brought Tim Tebow to the playoffs, right? So, I'm not going to really get too frustrated on that just, just yet. The running game, though, that that really bothered me because, you know, come the, I think it was like in the second quarter before we saw Matt Breida just sitting there. He only played 23% of snaps. That's where I start to have some sort of concerns, right? My concerns start with the Dolphins' offense because I don't like the people who are whining, oh, well, we knew we should have taken a wide receiver, blah, 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 blah. You know, Matthew Canato was on here talking about how the Dolphins loved a wide receiver in the first round, and then I didn't say I, I was into that. I didn't like that. And hindsight's twenty twenty. It's always twenty twenty. 
Alan Hearns, Albert Wilson opted out. Nothing against them, but it hurts your receiving core. You respect what they did. It's just the type of season it's going to be. Then Devontae Parker, the reason he's making $10 million a year is because he has injury issues. But what we saw is a glaring hole of offensive talent, somebody who can just make a play. I mean, I swear to God, I am incredibly concerned about having Preston Williams be a main piece of this offense. We had the play where he, he fell down. Um, I think there was another one even before that that I, I was a little concerned about. Two receptions on seven targets. That ain't it, Chief. And then you, the other thing that kind of concerned me is, is Chan Gailey's inability to scheme pe- people open. Now, you could kind of spin zone this and say, well, we're not going to see Malcolm Perry in week one. It was so fun to get excited about him in the preseason, but I've been saying it for so, so long. And, you know, I started to buy into some of this stuff. It's going to be a little bit before we see him out in the field. It's going to be a little bit before the team trusts him to go get those snaps because one long wrong turn, one slip, and all of a sudden that's an interception. We saw that with Preston Williams. We saw for Ryan Fitzpatrick trying to force some throws, which, you know, if I could have Ryan Fitzpatrick forcing throws or Tua forcing throws, I think you know where I would go there. And that's kind of the issue I saw. I loved trying to get uh, Jordan Howard in uh, going early. After that four-yard run, he had seven runs for three uh, seven rushes for for three yards altogether. That is concerning. That is concerning as hell. You wonder, did he enter the week with an injury? Was that hamstring bothering him before? Because it was weird. They said he was questionable, and then he came back out to score that touchdown. So that's another concern I have there. And you just have to wonder, will this offense be able to do kind of anything moving forward? I think the defense is going to be fine, but you have to wonder, can the offense, does it have the playmakers? The offensive line looked great. And uh, I used to, you know, when the Dolphins were struggling with the tank, uh, well, going through the tank, I guess, I kind of made an idea of we should be allowed to uh, sign one player. The fans all vote. I wanted them to keep Kenyon Drake, and that's not kind of where I'm going here. But this year, I want the Dolphins to be able to make what uh, use one play that we create. All right? And hear me out on this. I want Ryan Fitzpatrick to be up at the line of the scrimmage. And I want to hear him audible, you know, going through everything. And then we just hear, cheeks, cheeks. And then the play, instantly, he hikes the ball. He runs right into Solomon Kinley's butt and gets three yards. I think that would be the most unstoppable play. It worked out when they finally went with it on fourth and one. Sign me up. I thought that was the best play the Dolphins did all day. If, if they run this Cheeks play, is that something we'll get an update in Madden for? Because, I mean, this Cheeks play is definitely, you know, it's, it sounds really intriguing. But I, I, I know we talked, to, again, we're, we're talking about so many different things here. First thing we got to bring up is the fact that, you know, Bill Belichick is a defensive-minded head coach, mm-hmm. probably one of the best defensive minds in the history of the game. And this was one of the best secondaries, if not the best secondary, and it probably is the best secondary in all of football. So we men- you mentioned Preston Williams, and you would love to see him be able to create separation, but he was going against Stephon Gilmore for most of that game because they were doubling up on Parker, or once he went down, they didn't even have to really worry about anybody else. Mm-hmm. So you talked about it all offseason, heading in, you know, when we first started doing this podcast together, I said, I like the Dolphins receivers. I think it's a pretty good unit. You're slowly starting to see the way these chips fall. And even before the Allen Hearns and Albert Wilson opt-outs, you said it yourself, if Devontae Parker goes down, you know, it, it could get ugly. I will say this, and I, I don't pretend to have sources, but someone sent me a picture from Instagram, and they they responded to Devontae Parker on Instagram, you know, I hope you're okay, Chief, and he just responded with, I'm Gucci. So I'm sure it'll come out in a few a few hours, you know, once they have practice later today. I'm sure we'll find out uh, Devontae Parker's fine, so that that's a good thing to hear. But just the fact that he responded to a fan on, on Instagram, then they sent it to me on Twitter, I thought that was awesome. But overall, I think, to me, and we, we can joke about Kalen Balaj, but – and we all expected big things from Jordan Howard, but this dude averaged less than a yard per carry, 0.9 yeah, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and then you look at what Breida did, 4.4 yards per carry. You know, he had five t- five carries, 22 yards. But Miles Gaskin, I mean, we kept hearing all offseason, you know, this guy looks different. This guy can go out there and make some big plays. We talked about his production at Washington. He didn't really get a chance last season. You had to feel pretty good about that. The fact that Solomon Kinley and, and uh, Austin Jackson, you know, started all 100 snaps on the offensive line. You got to love that. Ted Karras, you know, we love the, ta- the story about his, his butt towel. But, I mean, to me, this looks He's like, struggling. you know, yeah, this looks like, you know, the the Spider-Man meme where Daniel where Kilgore is just pointing to himself, you know? They're just they're, <laughs> they're just pointing at each other and it's like, you know, you, you pretty much got the same player. He's he's a little younger, has some potential. So I, I see some weaknesses on the offensive line, but we talked about all offseason, you know, at some point they were thirty second ranked. They had to get better and you love to see that from again. A bunch of young, young, talented offensive linemen going against, you know, a Bill Belichick defense. So there's definitely some good and some bad and you know, you talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean it is what it is. I just want to know at what point do you continue to see this and then do you realize, you know, maybe it isn't the team and it's not this whole, you know, there's not these other factors that are playing into this. Maybe it is Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, is just doing the Fitz tragic thing. And it's just what he does throughout his career. You can't fault him for that. But sooner than later, you know, they got to turn the keys over to Tua. I think they'll have some patience here with him having the two games at home. But, um, you know, it's week one. Don't don't get don't overreact too much. And, you know, don't get too overhyped about something because – it's one week. Let it play out, and that's all I got to say about with, that. With with Parker, I mean, though, you could truly tell when he's on the field that you have a number one wide receiver. And in all the years past, um, and, and last year it emerged, and and even you know for most of the season last year, you could still say that the Dolphins didn't have a number one wide receiver. Uh, the offense certainly could move with Pre- or Parker on the field, and. I was just so impressed with the way he played. I mean, it was Gilmore on him. I think they actually didn't shadow him. Um, you you do hope he's okay because if he has another healthy season, he might start asking for more money. He might start becoming the guy. Uh, but when he goes out like that, you see the the weaknesses of a t- roster that does not flash. Again, I, I mentioned some doubts about Preston Williams, uh, but I do think, you know, coming back from injury, it's going to take a little time. And that's just kind of is what it is at this point. Uh, talking about Miles Gaskin, I did a thread this morning of just a bunch of thoughts I had for the game. And a lot of people responded with, you know, I kind of joked, what is what kind of dirt does Miles Gaskin have on the coaching staff where he's getting, you know, nine carries? He was in there before Brita. And everyone responded with, yeah, Gaskin's fine. And that that he was what, a seventh round pick? Gaskins, he's a he's a fine running back. But in order to have a good offense. You need something a little better than fine. And, and that's where you start to wonder how healthy someone like Jordan Howard is. Um, I was wondering if Matt Breida was even in the doghouse or something like that was going on. But I, the, the biggest concern about week one has to just still be the unknowns. We still don't know too, too much about this team, uh, generally speaking. Uh, Josh... Let, let, let's switch over to the defensive side. I just want to ask one more time if there's anything you have to say about the offense because, you know, Kinley looked good. Austin Jackson looked awesome. The Pats don't really have any big studs there on that defense anymore, anymore which we highlighted. Well, I mean, their secondary is amazing. I mean, that was that was made pretty obvious uh, as we saw. But but in terms of uh, on the line and the linebacker core, there's nobody amazing on the, on that crew. But the Dolphins, they stayed pat. I think Fitzpatrick was sacked once on the day, and that was on a play where he uh, actually kind of ran into the rush there and suffered the sack. But, I mean, I have to be pretty happy with the offensive line. It seemed like they had time. I think Jordan Howard, some of those stuffs, I think some were actually on him. Because when you see Gaskin average, you know, 4.4, which, you know, 
isn't great either, but you see that there's those holes are there. There's opportunity. There's chances. Uh, you have to kind of wonder where are the Dolphins going to get their chunk plays from. We saw the 21-yard gain from Preston Williams. I think Jacecki had a long of 18. Uh, but, I mean, you, you need someone who can help get you into the red zone, and the Dolphins were able to accomplish that once uh, yesterday. Talk about the running backs quick, and then we'll shift focus to the defense. But uh, C.K. Parrott, Chris Kaufman said the Dolphins were in 11 personnel, 61% of the snaps. Uh, you know, that was when they used exclusively Gaskins and Breida. He said most of Jordan Howard's run plays were exclusively behind fullback Chandler Cox and or a double tight end. We saw the touchdown. I don't know if anyone else noticed this. I went back and looked at the tape. Chandler Cox makes a beautiful cut block, but it looks like uh, Robert Hunt lines up as an eligible receiver there at you oh. know the tight end spot on the line. So they had a lot of extra meat up there. You know, it worked out. They got that touchdown, but you'd love to see more from, from Jordan Howard specifically. Again, I don't know if maybe Brita was, like you said, in the doghouse, or maybe they saw him and Gaskin as a very similar skill set, and they thought that Gaskin, you know, the way he worked, and we continue to hear it all offseason. You know, he, he was great. You know, he just did everything he needed to do to get better this year. Maybe they decided to reward that. That's why he got those touches, and again, he made the most of it. So I think running back's fine. I think the offensive line's good. Obviously, we can sit here and nitpick if we want, but it's all going to come uh, back. Can we, let, let's, let's, sorry, I, wa- I want to get your thoughts on Chan Gailey, because that's, that's probably the second oh, most yeah. question um, I received is is behind um, how what you think of Gaskin. What was what, How did we feel about Chan Gailey in the first game? Some people kind of chalked it up to, well, you know, here's a 68-old, uh, you know, offensive coordinator. He's up in the box. Does he really have a feel for it and everything going on? And overall, no, but if we want to get nitpicky and you talk about Jordan Howard always running behind, you know, Gaskin, the Dolphins, I don't know if they have that talent level of the Patriots where you can kind of set up these four running backs or Cam Newton and three running backs and just kind of, we're going to make it work. You know, we're going to run the ball and we're going to do it because through two seasons, I know they're different offensive coordinators, a game, a season and one game. I mean, sorry, I'm, this might seem like an overreaction. The Dolphins haven't been able to be in a position where the other team knows what they're going to do and can't stop them in terms of the running game. And so you have to wonder Gaskin, his success, I believe, came when they were really spread out across the field when you have, you know, a Grant in and an Isaiah Ford in. Uh, But once you get into that I-4, once you get Chandler Cox in there, it seems like it was pretty obvious they were going to run to him. They could tee that up, and Howard wasn't getting anywhere. Two, another thing we can think about is this is all week one game film. Teams are going to have to be using this for the next three to four weeks. You know, does this... If we don't want to get too knee-jerky, does this all of a sudden turn into Chandler Cox getting receptions out of the backfield? We mentioned Tony Romo talking about it yesterday. When when we saw Julian Edelman kind of make some catches over the middle on option plays, it was Tony Romo saying how as the game goes on, it turns into this cat and mouse of, hey, you think we're going to do this? Actually, I can go to Julian Edelman over the middle. I can do these different things. We can kind of build on top of our offense. You have to wonder when that next step of the offense is going to come for the Jordan Howard and maybe Chandler Cox package, where it is maybe next week, maybe in two weeks, we'll see Chandler Cox catch some balls out of the outfield. We'll see these play-action plays. But in week one, it certainly looked scripted and it certainly looked basic. And there could be a method to the madness of that, especially when you see how offenses develop throughout the season. We saw Parker really turn it on after week 10. Yes, that had to do with uh, Preston Williams not being on the field, soaking up those seven targets like he had last week. But at the same time, too, it's offenses need time to develop. I mean, Miles Gaskin, he's a second-year, seventh-round pick. 
you said it best. He didn't have a lot of time to play last year. This could only be the big, like the, the, I hope it is the building block of what this offense is going to be because it looked pretty basic. Um, I heard some whispers of, is there going to potentially be a certain package that has Tua on the field? Now that it could go two weeks two ways you don't want to use that week one or the Dolphins just weren't in a position to do that and the Dolphins didn't have a lot of opportunities on offense they couldn't get anything going there was a point midway through the fourth quarter where I think they only had six snaps in that second half and you can kind of go both ways of yes the Dolphins couldn't stop the run but the Dolphins offense couldn't get anything going to keep and the defense had to be on the field the whole game so it kind of goes both ways when you think about it and you have to hope uh in terms of Chan Gailey and the success of this offense there's going to be a lot more creative creativity established as the season goes on and as they incorporate all these brand new pieces and that's the biggest thing I mean this was week one and I think a lot of this was scripted but to me I mean Chan Gailey's offense was kind of what you know a lot of people joked about and they were like why are we bringing in you know a 60 year old offense coordinator has been out of the game a little bit how's that offense gonna look and you know it did kind of look a little dated you know and you don't know how much of that again was scripted how much I mean we sat here and we told you that the the key to this game was to use Jordan Howard and try to pound that football so mm-hmm. what the Dolphins do you know those first you know probably 15 to 20 plays as you would think a script would be you know they went out there and they tried to pound that ball so it, it didn't work out I think it's going to be nice to see the way this progresses one thing I took notice too there was a package there early on where it had Patrick Laird and Miles Gaskin in there so they were motioning those guys out both those guys are you know good receivers so that's something to keep an eye on I do think it's going to be interesting to see the way Malcolm Perry you know some of these younger guys Lynn Bowden how they work their way into this into this uh you know getting some snaps because again the wide receivers need to improve there's a lot to build on here but at the end of the day you know it's week one. Hopefully, and, we hopefully we do see some Tua. I mean, I, I love seeing Tua on the sideline there. Someone said maybe uh, I think it was you, right? You said that his representation is probably like you know have that helmet on. Don't be on the sideline looking like you're not prepared. Be ready to go into the game. I'm going to throw this out there before we transition to defense because Ryan Smith, the Pro Football Focus, tweeted out you know the top five highest graded Dolphins offensive players from week one, minimum of 20 snaps. Devontae Parker was at the top of the list mm-hmm. with an 87.6. Solomon Kinley with a 71.3. Mike Jasicki with a 70.5, and Miles Gaskins with a 70.5. So those were the top-graded pro football focus, uh, you know, uh, performers on offense. I'm going to keep holding us back. I'm going to keep holding us back. I, 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 you, we keep going on the offense, but, but I like where this, where this is going because I mean, we're soapboxing. It's a, it's a, it was a exactly. loss. It was, we didn't have any preseason to talk. I mean, let's just talk through this. As long as my kids, kind of as long as my kids are good, we're good. <laughs> and that's kind of the thing. Like it's week one that, you know, we're, we're not, we don't have anyone on the chopping block. There's no guillotine here, but you know, you also kind of wonder too, um, you know, we heard the same thing in Brita and, and Howard as their 1A and 1B. I wonder how much reporting really went into looking into that, because obviously these guys can't talk about the depth chart or anything like that, but just the way everything kind of played out, yes, you know, Jordan Howard might have been hurt, but you have to wonder if that is truly what the Dolphins thought about their current uh, running back group, as if they're truly 1A and 1B, because it didn't look like that out there. Whatever the reasons were, you have to wonder if there's a bigger story about Miami's uh, running backs than the reporters maybe didn't get to see because they have limited time there, or simply saw them trade for Gaskin, or trade for Brita. They, they sign Howard, and you think, all right, wipe it off, you know, uh, Howard's had success. Matt Breed is one of the fastest running backs. Uh, you, you maybe tweet, you talk to one source and say, hey, these guys are their 1A, 1B, right? And you're like, yep, sure, let's go with that, that's it. And that's kind of all that went into it because that's kind of what it looked like there. And Tua, man, oh my God, I could not believe he's just sitting there just ready to go with his helmet on. There had to have been some sort of PR people saying, you don't want to look, 
Did you see what Josh Rosen looked like at that Saints Bucks game? He was sitting in the crowd, looked miserable. He looked huge. And I was just like, oh my God, how can anybody see him sitting out there? I mean, again, you know, you have to be upset. You're cut. You're a former first round pick. You've had all these struggles. But he looked freaking miserable out there. And I don't think any coach or GM would see him sitting out in the field, slouch like that, and think, let's take a shot with him. But when you see Tua sitting there with his helmet, uh, someone tweeted that the entire Dolphins offensive line was sitting there with their or their entire offense, actually, that their entire, they were sitting there, helmets off, just kind of waiting to get out back on the field. Tua was sitting there with his helmet on. Now, these are little things. This could honestly be nothing. But I just thought it would be interesting worth pointing out that he legitimately seems like, whatever play you want me in, let me go in there. Let me go in there. And he's not going to stop pushing for that. And that's kind of the exciting thing as we move forward, especially when you have Fitzpatrick there, the gums kind of hanging out of his mouth, just doing his thing. Especially it was frustrating seeing him Time and time again, go after Preston Williams and Mike Jacecki. Jacecki's uh, target per to reception ratio, he caught three of five uh, targets that came his way. I thought that was going to be a lot worse because it seemed like the second half, Fitzpatrick was just kind of playing Madden for the first time, stomping the X or whatever button over and over. And whoever was there, whatever they're double covered, you just kind of prayed they made a play. And that's no way to run an offense. You don't know, again, pretty basic. But those are those are kind of the thoughts you have on the offense opening day. Uh, when you can only score 11 points. I mean, if your defense gives, averages 21 points a game through the entire season, you better win 12 games. I mean, that, that I think, you know, you could say they grinded the game to a halt, but I think the Patriots reached their limit of in terms of scoring. You know, the Dolphins had stops. It's just tough when, you know, three and out, you're back out there. Three and out, you're back out there. And, and you can't really find any time to adjust on the sidelines or anything like that. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Completely agree. I mean, and you're right, Ryan Fitzpatrick definitely looked like me early on playing Madden, you know, just rolling out, just throwing these random passes. Prayers. Um, be, Double before, coverage and everything. Yeah, before before we finally transition onto the defense, um, I'm going to say, you know, throughout these press conferences that we hear, we've heard Jordan Howard and we heard Matt Breed say, you know, the depth chart doesn't really matter. They're going to use all these guys. And when you look at what New England does, I mean, is it really a surprise that they're, the way they're using these guys? Maybe not. Um, I do think Dolphin fans, I, I don't know about you, but I'm sure a lot of them are going to go out there and try to put a waiver claim in for Miles Gaskin because, you know, we've heard the hype. You know, a lot of us like to have that Dolphins running back in fantasy. Why not go out there and put a waiver claim, especially in a PPR? But you want to see the way these running backs, how this, you know, this stable progresses throughout the year and, and you hope that, you know, it continues. But you need to see more out of this offense. I mean, it looked anemic. It, it had my kids sleeping. It just wasn't what we had hoped to see after, you know, being hyped up throughout preseason. You know, you couldn't see a lot of – or throughout training camp. You couldn't see a lot of things, but you were getting excited. You heard about these explosive explosive plays. I just want to know if if, say this was the Dolphins' home opener, you know, normal year, all the fans were there. At what point? uh, You know, is it the second interception or is it the third where they start chanting for Tua? Because I've been there. I've been there at a week two game, you know, where they played the Titans and they got blown out. And and Ryan Tannehill was in there and they were there were we want Matt Moore chants. I mean, if you can sit there and (laughs) chant for if you can chant for we want Matt Moore, you should damn sure be cheering for, uh, you know, Tua, Tua, because, uh, you know, after that second interception, I think 
Hard Rock Stadium would have been pretty loud and, and they would have wanted to see, you know, something happen. Well, it, it wouldn't have happened because, again, this was essentially preseason week one. But, I mean, we just w- went a good half hour on offense. We need to shift focus to the defense. And Absolutely. I mentioned Ryan Smith, a pro football focus. He mentioned the highest graded players uh, for offense, minimum 20 snaps. Here's the highest graded player, minimum 20 snaps on defense. First guy, Christian Wilkins, had a monster game, an 80 overall. Safety Bobby McCain, 76.8. Kyle Van Noy had a 69, safety Brandon Jones had a 65.3, and Eric Rowe had a 64.4. Again, these are pro football focuses numbers. You know, they do a lot of great work, but this isn't the be-all, tell-all, you know. So you can see some of these players. We can all sit here and say Christian Wilkins had a great game. You know, we saw that. We saw Brandon Jones play well in the nickel being thrown in there as a rookie. So I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to let you tell me what you thought of the defense, and then I'm going to bring it back, give you my thoughts, and, and we'll try to we'll try to eventually wrap this off. I mean, we might be talking about Matt Hawk and, and Jason Sanders for another good 50 minutes. <laughs> hey, man, it's the football season, and I think that's you know why I did that thread this morning is because I think at the end of the day, like football's back, and I did have some people. The, the first tweet I said was, well, this isn't 59 to 10. We must feel better about that, and I do. I, I didn't think yesterday was awful, and you know, some people said, oh, classic Dolphin fans, you're settling. It's like, dude, it's week one. This is still a rebuild. Like, like I wish we could have been Gardner Minshew and the the Jaguars blowing or uh, stealing one from the Colts, but it's the freaking New England Patriots. Like the, it, it, you're playing in New England. It's tough to do. It is very just because the Dolphins have had success, and this isn't something you still just snap your fingers. I mean, we saw what the Dolphins did winning games at the end of last season, and as of right now, I mean, you have to go to at least week eight before you start looking at some sort of things. And who knows? They could start zero and eight. And I would not be surprised if this team won eight straight games to end the season. It's literally about coming together, and it's the progress. And, you know, you kind of started with Christian Wilkins there, man. Talk about some progress. Uh, you know, six total tackles, two tackles for a loss. And this is, like, the issue with the running game. Like, everyone's saying that the Dolphins' run defense was awful. Dude, they had seven tackles for a loss. Like, there's only so much you can do where you just have they the Patriots have so many opportunities where it's gonna work. Oh, we missed we had one mistake, we punt. Hopefully they don't take advantage of that. I mean, this defense did great. They didn't give up any points on any of the three turnovers. I still got to finish. Uh, Christian Wilkins had two passes defend. Uh, he defended two passes. That's so beautiful. He had a quarterback hit. He had the sack. Uh, Jerome Baker actually had the first sack of the game. And in our show uh, last week, we did our list of firsts. Who would have the first X, Y, and Z for the Dolphins? Uh, so far, I hit on two or three. Jordan Howard had the first touchdown. Preston Williams had the first gain of 20-plus yards. I said that... Um, uh, Agba would have the first sack. That wasn't true because Baker was out there early, and you could tell the Dolphins had some sort of plan that worked to perfection early in that game. They schemed up that, hey, we'll stop Newton, we'll get to him early, we won't let him pass the ball, and they did that. But once you have those seven tackles for a loss, you need the offense to make some sort of play. I have to admit, I mean, I the my biggest memory of Kyle Van Noy that game was him dropping the loudest F-bomb I've ever heard. And when the Dolphins signed Van Noy, I didn't expect him to be like this all-pro or anything like that, but you expected him to be the guy that can kind of keep the quarterback from scurrying away, running all alone for five to seven yards before anybody's close to him. And we didn't see that. I think he might have been the biggest disappointment. And then, you know, Jamal Perry played a lot. Brandon, or, uh, ex- yeah, excuse me, Brandon Jones played so much. You mentioned it, 10 uh, total tackles. Uh Xavier Howard actually had 10 tackles in his first uh, game as a Miami Dolphin, too. I thought that was interesting. But, I mean, that's kind of the issue there. You have all these guys in the secondary playing where they probably should have had 
five defensive linemen. It seemed like the adjustments came. They came late, and by the time they came, the Patriots were able to do different things. So the offense or the defense kind of seemed like a bit of a concern in the sense of when can you expect them to stop the bleeding? How are these pre-game or middle of the game adjustments going to go? And I thought that was my first initial reaction. Uh, the Jerome Baker penalties uh, were a bit frustrating. I got to say, you got to be smarter than that in your uh, second year. But that that kind of summed it up. I mean, there were a bunch of guys where uh, I'm sorry to say I had to go. Who is that? You know, I even after seeing some of these guys' number, I still had to look it up because I was just like, who is that? I I, I don't know. This team is so different. It's so fresh. And these are all things that could change week to week. This team has got a lot of work to do. But, I mean, Christian Wilkins is looking like a stud. Brandon Jones, I don't know if tackles is necessarily the best uh, view of success. But, I mean, as a rookie in his first game, you love to see it. And that's where I'll start my uh, diagnosis of this defense, Josh. What, how did you feel? I, uh, I mean, I was right. You saw it early on, the way Cam Newton was running the football, the way they were the – the way the Patriots were running the football in general, you know, the Dolphins just had no answer for that. And then at some point in that drive, they just seemed to, you know, they started to, to get a little more aggressive. They started to blitz, and that's when I think Jerome Baker came in untouched and, and got that sack. And I just wonder, and the All-22 hasn't come out yet, at least if I'm not mistaken, but I need to go back and watch this because I, I want to know what they did differently because there were times when, you know, it just seemed like the Patriots could have their way and just march downfield. But then there were times when they mixed something in there. And, you know, you just saw this. Mm -hmm. it, it looked like a different Dolphins defense. You saw some pressure. You, you know, you didn't. They, they got to they got to him, what, two times? I believe it looks like Christian Wilkins had a sack. Jerome Baker had one. Jerome Baker had a monster day. He had 13 tackles. We saw – or he had 16 total tackles. Uh, three solo. solo. Yeah, sorry. Hold on. I'm going to do that again. Jerome Baker had 16 total tackles, 13 solo. He had the sack. Uh, we saw that. It, it looked like he stopped, at least in my opinion. It looks like he stopped Cam Newton at the goal line. We all know he probably was going to pound it in either way. But it looked yeah. like he saved that touchdown. And then, you know, that incredible – I mean, he did get beat. He did He did bite real hard on that – on the, the you know, the RPO there. And Cam rolled to the, to the right side. And he just knocked that ball out and went into the goal line. So – you know, or went into the end zone for a touchback. So Jerome Baker, he was all over the field, but I don't know how many of those tackles, you know, were were like you said, it was after. When was the bleeding going to stop? Overall, got to like the way the secondary looked. I like Brandon Jones. He looked like he played a lot of nickel, and, again, he had success there. He's got, he got those snaps over Nick Needham, who didn't play a single defensive snap. He was, you know, all in special teams. But for me, just the fact that the run – you know, the run defense looks so poor when you brought in those guys. And, you know, the Dolphins didn't go out there and get that splashy pass rusher, but they did go out there and get these guys who were known for setting the edge, and it just didn't seem like, you know, it kind of all went out the window. You mentioned Kyle Van Noy. Someone said it looked like he was kind of, you know, he had cement. Uh, he was wearing mm -hmm. cement around his legs. So he, he, he didn't impress. But, again, it's the first game. These guys are at, in a new place. You know, they're getting to know these guys out there on the field, you know, in the live game action. Let's see what happens this week, but I don't see it getting any easier against Buffalo and for as successful as New England was against the run, if they don't fix that, I mean, Buffalo can do the same thing because Josh challenged just as explosive, if not more than Cam Newton. And, you know, they got that dynamic uh, tandem at, at Singletary and Zach Moss. So the Dolphins got to get it together quick, but there was some good in the, in the run game. You know, there was some very good in the passing game from what we got to see. But again, they just got gashed and you hope that they can, you hope that they can improve because this is the Dolphins. This is what the Dolphins are. They're a defensive team. You know, that's Brian Flores' MO. You want to see more out of this unit. Yeah, for sure. And you have to wonder, I mean, I, I thought to myself, you know, Shaq Lawson and uh, Manuel Agbar are two guys who are going to come in 
and and not be amazing. I didn't, you know, nobody expected these guys to come in and be world beaters, and they weren't paid like world beaters, quite frankly. They were paid like guys who can come in and and just supply a level of consistency. And you know, at first I was like, where are these guys? What were they doing? But then when you look at how uh, they they spoke on about the defense, the coaches that is all off season about how we want to keep guys fresh, how we want to give everyone opportunities to be healthy and and make some plays. But then you see. Right here, uh, Shaq Lawson played 94% of snaps. Manuel Agba played 86% of snaps. I mean, this team is still lacking depth where the Patriots can go on some runs while these guys are kind of catching their breath. I mean, I expected more out of them. I wanted more out of them, quite frankly. But you kind of understand where it's coming from. I mean, the Dolphins have everything invested into their secondary. And what did the Patriots do? They didn't throw the ball. I mean, if they did, it was over the middle. It was a dump off because that secondary is truly going to be special. And, you know, if you look at it in a sense, the Dolphins tried to come in here with the game plan, same game plan as the New England Patriots. And the Patriots just did it better in terms of running the ball. The Dolphins couldn't do that. And all of a sudden, the game just slips out of their hands. You have to kind of think about this. The, the weaknesses on this defense, we know where they are. We know that they exist in that, that pass rush those outside linebackers, and that was on display. The Patriots attacked their weakness and, and truthfully had no problems, which is going to happen. It's it's going to be fine. But you start to play that cat and mouse game more as the season goes on. You just kind of have to wait, I, I'd say. I mean, because I think, I think this game is crazy as it's going to sound. It's crazy, and this has nothing to do with how we played yesterday. If Tom Brady was the quarterback, I think the Dolphins would have fared much better, just for the sake of they have film on him. They understand his style of play. You have a secondary that can stop a team from throwing the ball, but this new type of New England Patriots, I don't, I truthfully don't know how sustainable it is with Cam Newton running the ball that much and making it look as easy as he did. Uh, but as more films on that, as he takes more hits, I mean... Things very much change after week one. They certainly do. Uh, and, and that's kind of just the expectations we got to have. I mean, they had the turnover. Um, Josh, I know you just said it, and I should know this. Who who forced the uh, fumble out of the end zone? Was that, that Baker? Was that was Jerome Baker, but I, I actually misspoke. I said that was on a Cam Newton, that scramble. It was actually on a Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry's the one that fumbled that into the end zone. So it, it was a good hustle by Baker. But if you go back and look at the play, it looked like he, you know, bit in a little bit. and Right. But, I mean, it is, it is what it is, too. And and you mentioned that things aren't going to get easier against Buffalo. I mean, I'd, I'd agree with that, but I, they're certainly not going to get harder. I think we kind of know what Josh Allen's going to do. Josh Allen's going to actually take some deep shots. Josh Allen fumbled the ball or turned the ball over. I don't know if he fumbled it more than this, at least twice yesterday. And we'll save that for a preview coming later this week. But, I mean, this is about as hard as a test the Dolphins are going to get for their uh, run defense. I don't think it's going to... I don't think you can prepare or have a harder challenge than an offense that features uh, five foot six JJ Taylor and a Cam Newton who hasn't played in a year. I don't think you can prepare for that, uh, especially the coaching staff the Patriots have. It is what it is. I think there are concerns, hundred percent concerns. But I, I do like the defense. I do like what they had. I thought the lack of penalties was awesome. Except I do think Christian Wilkins, uh, I, I wonder if he still has a little bit of a, an attitude thing because we hear about him being so goofy, you know, the the no, no, you're not going to block me, that type of stuff. But that's what we're allowed to hear. I, I do have a concern of him getting penalties, uh, a concern of him kind of, you know, 
for the athletic freak, he is not thinking enough. And and I guess that's it. I mean, Christian Wilkins was awesome. I tweeted that. Why isn't he a 99 in Madden? But there is some sort of concern there. You mentioned after the game, or I'll mention it, the after the game scuffle regarding Cam Newton. And Cam Newton is someone who can get under people's skins. It's part of what makes him such a great player, a great competitor. Uh, but that's something I think Wilkins has to become smarter. And I kind of hoped a little more would be seen out of those edge rushers. But overall, I mean, it is what it is. I think we're... The Dolphins weren't favorited. They were six and a half point underdogs. I think the struggle struggles are definitely going to be there. And I think even on the defensive side of the ball, you're not going to present too many of your special or flashy plays early on because I mean, this is a, the whole season's a cat and mouse game and it's all about when you can be the cat. And, and generally speaking, sometimes you're going to have to be the mouse. It just is what it is. Yeah. Think about how much teams show in the third preseason game. I mean, that's kind of what, I mean, for a lack of a better word, you know, that's kind of what we saw here. There was lots of, you know, good to talk about on both sides of the football, lots to improve on. Uh, overall, I, I think the Christian Wilkins thing, I mean, I think you're onto something there, but I also think it has something to do with Cam Newton. I mean, he always right. has that, 100%. you know, that, that way about him. And, you know, there's some trash talking going on. We don't know what was going on with that whole necklace. We saw it look like they ripped it off his neck. And then, uh, you know, he went to Instagram, I saw earlier today, and kind of said something about they couldn't take the W or the chain off my neck. And Shaq Lawson and Raekwon Davis been <laughs> responding with, uh, first Shaq Lawson said, we don't want that weak-ass chain. And then uh, Raekwon Davis responded with, man, ain't nobody want your fake-ass chain. Shit was weak anyway. So <laughs> apparently there's something there. And, you know, I, I jokingly said, you know, the hate's real, but, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Tom Brady. I definitely think Cam Newton up, kind of upgraded what we saw, at least from New England last year. I mean, that looked like a, a different offense. Like you said, you don't know how sustainable it, it is. It was yeah, very... You don't know how sustainable it is, right. but, I mean, we saw Tom Brady. Tom Brady looks like he has a noodle arm. He's, you know, Chad Pennington with, with Super Bowl rings at this point. I mean, it is what it is. So I, I, I like the new-look Patriots. I wish they weren't, uh, you know, the Patriots because I, I'd love to root for Cam Newton. But there's something going on here. But, again, at the end of the day, they need to find a way to, to stop that run because – they got a lot of mobile quarterbacks on that schedule, and if they continue to, to get gashed on the ground, you know, sure the secondary stats are going to look great when no one's throwing the football against them because they don't have to. But it's early. There's a lot of takeaways. But but I think overall, I think we touched on a little bit of everything and kind of gave us a good overall this, view of, you know, like the good, a, the bad, and the ugly. This was kind of like Cam Newton's, though, the Wildcat game that, you know, obviously we'll never stop talking about. But, but it was just something that no matter how much you try, whether it's just Ricky Williams for three yards or Ronnie Brown throwing it over you, it, there's just no way to stop it, uh, especially when you haven't seen it before. And I think everybody in New England said that about the Wildcat game in the sense of we just haven't seen it before. We didn't know what to do. I think this is it's a tough opponent to play New England week one. I mean, we can go back for years. Yeah, they struggle early on. But I wonder if, you know, again. I'm not going to predict the future. Um, the fact that we could predict the Miami offense of wanting to run with Howard, predict these couple of firsts, that is a little bit concerning. And and we shouldn't be able to kind of predict these things. We kind of get on people on Twitter all the time who go out with these instinct feelings. And, and they deserve all the props because these are the smartest people in terms of football in the world on the football field, creating these plays in terms of like Bill Belichick, in terms of a lot of coaches you see in the NFL. So for the fact that the Dolphins were able to keep this close, keep it a 10-point game, I mean, you mentioned the penalty on Jaseki, and I'm never going to use penalties as an excuse. My simple answer is play well enough so the refing doesn't matter. Again, that's, you know, whoa, but there's sometimes. Yes, there are always sometimes, but you don't, you can't really settle games like that. You can't say the refs took one away from us because there's a lot the Dolphins could have done here. But it is just a tough situation week one, and I'm not going to freak out uh, because come Buffalo, and again, we'll talk about this on a preview show, 
there's no secret what they do. There is no secret the type of offense they run, right? We didn't know what the Patriots were going to do. It's something we haven't seen before, and you just kind of got to chalk that up for what it is. Yeah, and before we get going, I just want to throw three three quick things out there. Noah Igbenogany became the youngest player in Dolphins history to play in an NFL game yesterday. He was 20 years old and 291 days. Ryan Fitzpatrick, with that two-yard run, became only the second Dolphins quarterback in history to score a two-point conversion. The other was George Wilson Jr. back in 1966. And last but not least, safety Brandon Jones, the rookie safety from Texas, joins Xavier Howard, Fred Warner, Devin Bush, and Shaquille Griffin as one of only five players since 2016 to record double-digit tackles in their NFL debut. So pretty big days for some Dolphins. Again, don't put too much stock into this. Week two is coming up, and, you know, hopefully they improve. Yeah, and if you enjoyed the show, be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave a rate, leave a review, leave us your questions. Again, uh, I do the, I'm do. i going to try to do these Monday morning TED Talks, just a thread of my thoughts, because I used to be someone who, you know, live-tweeted through the game, and obviously you're going to get a lot of interaction there. But I, I've reached the point where I don't want, I'm not taking anything away from people who who do it. I like kind of taking that little time to reflect. And, you know, I do want to apologize to everyone how we're kind of sitting here and you'd love to kind of put your flag in the sand somewhere about this is how it should be. This is how it's going to happen. But I mean, so with no preseason, uh, even if there was a preseason week, one is so frustrating. There are players, the dolphins are going to try to get more involved. It's, you know, it's kind of eye-popping when you see guys like Noah Igbenogany and Brandon Jones play so much. Even Miles Gaskin plays so much. These young guys, they're going to get more people, the Malcolm Perrys, involved as the season goes wrong, along. There's going to be more whistles, more bells and whistles incorporated into this team. And I guess what we're preaching here is to kind of just wait it out. There were some things to see. This team obviously played it safe where they didn't want to get blown out 59-10, to 10, but they did give themselves an opportunity to win. I think on both sides of the ball, there's room for improvement. I think the defense played well. Well enough to walk away with that W. But again, I, I apologize that we're not really saying, you know, this guy stinks, or I'm sorry if that was too loud, but this guy's so bad, or this guy's so great. Why is he getting more snaps? It's just so early. Uh, these averages are going to all start to kind of even out. We're going to get a better idea of this team. And I think the one thing, if we're going to walk into next week excited, is we have not the worst offensive line in the NFL. I, we should celebrate that. You should take that as your advice for this week. The Miami Dolphins aren't the worst offensive line in the NFL. Put that feather in your cap, and let's march into Buffalo. Yep, Buffalo's on the horizon. Again, you know, it's a long season. Yeah, the Dolphins got their feet wet. I think we can all confidently say, you know, what when they visit, when New England comes down here, you know, later in the season, it's going to be a much different game. and There'll be some know. chain snatching, that's for sure. Definitely some chain snatching going on. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, thank you so much for everyone listening to Finsider Radio. We're looking forward to seeing you guys. Uh, our preview show will likely drop either Wednesday or Thursday, probably leading closer to Thursday. But subscribe, and you'll get that notification the second it goes live, and you'll be up to date on all the Dolphin news you need. Again, thank you so much for listening, everyone. The regular season is here, and we can't wait to celebrate the entire year with you. And most importantly, fins up. Fins up, baby. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins.